Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with writer and creator of the graphic novel Black Market Heroin, currently on Kickstarter, Russell Nolte with Wannabe Press. Welcome, Russell. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. But uh, outside of my introduction, who is Russell Nolte and what are you about? Oh, this is so hard because I've revolved my whole career around doing the things that I love for my career. So uh, I don't have that many things outside of writing and reading that I do. Uh, Let's see. What else do I do? I mean, I'm married. uh, I have three dogs. Uh, I, uh, I, I watch a lot of movies and listen to a lot of music, but most of that is in service to one or more of the comic slash novel, uh, that I'm doing. I travel, but almost always that's about, that's, uh, for reference or research for one of the novels that I'm writing or have, uh, or, uh, I'm going to be writing in a couple of months. Uh, but yeah, I mean, most of my life is about writing and reading the things that other people write and then consuming some form of media or another. Yeah, that's pretty much my life as well in the past like two years is if I'm watching a movie, if I'm watching a TV show, if I'm reading a book or if I'm going to an event, it has to be for me to put out there for like a con- as a content creator. Um, but the one thing that I do do that doesn't involve content at all, I don't do anything on my phone is... Uh, rollerblading i started picking it back up again during the pandemic so just to go out and rollerblade especially since the streets are empty and the parking lots are empty because people working from home so that was a really nice day it's just something that i do outside of content creating that's awesome yeah there's a there's a roller derby um group or roller derby league around my uh around uh, los angeles and they all meet at, at long beach Long Beach Pier and do rollerblading like every Saturday or Sunday or maybe both I forget but whenever we go down there there's always like a train of like a hundred rollerbladers in the afternoon yeah we have one up here too but it's like 25 minutes away and I don't want to be bothered with that so I hear you uh, what is black market heroin about uh so black market heroin is the third graphic novel in our God's First Chronicles uh, universe. It is about a uh, criminal who accidentally saves the Antichrist. That's to keep her alive until morning so that her blood can't be used by a demonic cult to open a portal to hell and start the apocalypse. Okay, well, without spoiling it, why did you feel the need to write Black Market Heroin as a part of the God First universe? Because I saw in your, I guess in your bio that you had, like, not in the bio, but, um, on the Kickstarter, you have it as the order you need to read it in. And it seems like Black Market Heroin is the first one from, I guess, maybe like a prequel or I, I believe it's a standalone, correct? Yeah, so it's uh, it's kind of a long story, but uh, the Godsverse uh, has started back when I did Katrina Hates the Dead in 2011. Um, it was expanded. Uh, then we released it in 2015. It was expanded with Pixie Dust in 2017. And during that time, I was I, I decided... Uh, to write a universe that connected Pixie Dust and Katrina Hates the Dead. So that ended up being uh, four four novels, which are a collection of 12 total stories. And uh, and we brought that to Kickstarter in 2020. And it was supposed to be just those four books. It's sort of a, a fun thing for comic book fans who were uh, who wanted to know more, wanted to know how. They, they take place 3,000 years apart from each other. But, uh, you know, people wanted to kind of know the connective tissue between them. And I started talking about it at shows and on podcasts, but people said, you need to actually write this down. So I decided to write it in the sort of collection of books. Um, 
and we brought it to Kickstarter. And I said, uh, if we raise $10,000, I think it was $10,000 was the target. I'll write a fifth book. Just supposed to be a fifth book. It was going to be a team up book between a bunch of the characters um, taking place in, uh, in hell, which is where a lot of the book takes place, um, dealing with Ragnarok. And uh, once we got done with, and so we raised something like $9,930. And I was like, all right, I'll write the fifth book anyway, because like, we're here, like, you're so close. Like, I'm not going to ding you for a couple of dollars. Uh, so I wrote that book. And while I wrote that book, uh, one of the point of view characters was Kimberly. Uh, Kimberly is a big part of black market heroin and, um, and uh, a big part of one of the books and, and Bruin followed behind her. She's sort of the protege of the main character. Uh, and she became a point of view character. And, uh, finally, uh, she's my favorite character besides uh, the god Velasca in the whole universe. And so I was like, oh, well, now she's a point of view character. Now it's weird uh, that like there's no point of view character for her. She's the only one that doesn't have a point of view. So I just said, okay, so I can now take, uh, let, let me let me let me make a Kimberly book, which I've always wanted to do, uh, and uh, I'll tell three stories, just like the other books, and uh, those uh, stories will sort of flush out the rest of the universe. So, for instance, uh, and death followed behind her. It uh, takes place uh, two years after the apocalypse, and then it cuts to ten thousand years later. But there's not a lot of connective tissue between those two elements. So people have always asked me for a story that takes place during the apocalypse. And so uh, that is one of the stories that is in um, in, uh, in 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 darkness followed behind her. And then I had so then I had six books and I was like, what well, kind of got to end the universe, right? Like the whole series is like a series of apocalyptic events that are happening and like they have to deal with the end of the universe. And so I was like, okay, I'll end the universe. I'll, uh, this is gonna be a definitive end to this universe. And so the seventh book was And Chaos Followed Behind Her. And uh, then we brought it from Kickstarter to Amazon and it wasn't jiving. Like it wasn't, people weren't responding to it on Amazon. And I come to find out that it, like the first book is In Darkness Followed Behind Her, which is the, uh, sorry, and death followed behind her, which is about Katrina. It's the apocalypse, and then ten thousand years later, and people were really weirded out by the fact that it was like apocalypse, and then cut to ten thousand years later. So just like it was, it's it's a great series, but it's like kind of a high barrier to entry. And so I started thinking about, well, like what would a good barrier to entry, like a low barrier to entry book, be that still talks about the gods verse that still is it's not they're not collections of short stories. It's just like one big long story. And I had uh, a flash of 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 of, uh, of a title a couple of years ago called Black Market Heroin. And I started like noodling with that again in uh, August of last year. And then I finally uh in the beginning of September it all like connected like a like a like a jigsaw puzzle that just all the pieces finally fell into place. And I realized that like not only would could black market heroin be a great entry to the God's verse chronicles, it could be a great jumping off point to the whole universe. And so I, I wrote uh, black market heroin sort of as a lower barrier to entry book that you didn't need to know a whole bunch of stuff about the rest of the God's verse. Like you didn't have to be into apocalypse stuff or you didn't have to be into like, because part of the universe is epic fantasy and then there's urban fantasy and then there's space fantasy. And then there's, it's all sorts of stuff. Uh, there's all sorts of pantheons. And so um, 
I wanted to make something that was a very low barrier to entry book. And so Black Market Heron became that. And then I ended up writing three additional novels after that. So uh, in January, we're releasing the the, the first book that has Black Market Heroin behind it, uh, which is called And Magic Followed Behind Her. Then there's a follow-up book that follows Angelica, who is one of the main characters of, the, of, of, uh, of Black Market Heroin. And then there's another book and then there's a team-up book. So it's going to be actually four books and it's going to kind of, they're all going to lead up to the apocalypse, which happens in Katrina Hates the Dead. So I'm hoping that by the time people read these kind of four books that are a little bit lower barrier to entry and it's kind of lead up to the apocalyptic event like they'll be ready to kind of mesh with the whole rest of the universe because once people read the book like they love it but they don't love it like it's hard to get them to buy it because there's just there's so much extra stuff so first four books are all kind of like urban fantasy with some portal fantasy elements like they all kind of there's a, there's a little bit of hell stuff in there. There's a little bit of magic, there's a little bit of gods, but for the most part, it's a much straight, uh, much straighter kind of urban fantasy action adventure take than like the rest of the gods verse. How do you keep up with everything? Like with the, with the storyline? Uh, well, it's so the, with the gods verse, it's actually kind of easy because each character each uh, each each book is set dozens or hundreds or sometimes thousands of years apart from each other. So mm-hmm. one of the ways that like I keep track is uh, one of the books is uh, the Pixie Dust book happens three thousand years before kind of anything else in the universe, and then the the uh, the Julia Freeman book uh, and Ruin Fall Behind her takes place in the seventies, and then books books uh, before these last four kind of happened in the twenty twenties. And then they happened 10,000 years after that. And so it was kind of easy to like keep continuity because there were so long between these books. It didn't start becoming an issue until um, I did, I, I did the, the four new books because now I had to not only keep continuity with the books that were there, but also the new book series and, and also make sure that it didn't break continuity with anything I'd already written. So that became a little more of a challenge, but um, I have this document that's sort of just a notes document that I open on my computer that, uh, that uh, has kind of all of the major characters or the minor characters or things that I need to remember. Um, I have an editorial team. I have uh, my wife reads through the books, uh, make sure that it kind of keeps continuity as well. So um, it's a lot more difficult in my new series because that happens all chronologically than it is in the Godsverse Chronicles that takes place kind of all over the place. And then the final thing that I do is realize that like Buffy didn't make a lick of sense. It and I love it. Like I love Buffy. It didn't make a lick of sense. Like most of the series that I love, Supernatural, like none of them make a lick of sense once they get to a certain point. Like they all contradict each other. They all come back on each other. And part of it is like kind of about the journey and enjoying the journey. So while I'm very conscious of the continuity, I also know that there's probably several continuity errors in the whole of the God's verse. Also being kind of opaque about what happens is also very helpful in not having to keep continuity. Well, you speak of having um, a team, an editorial team. Um, how has your journey been with cl- collaborating with this editorial team and with, um, I believe her name is Camry Lepka for, on this project specifically? Uh, well, a two-part question. 
Yeah, so uh, Camry was the, I don't generally have an editor on the comics. Uh, okay. I generally do the editorial on the comics, but I worked with Camry and she's lovely. Uh, she was game for the whole story uh, from the get-go. Um, once we kind of got going, so the first 10 pages of a comic are the hardest because you're figuring out the flow, you're figuring out the, the, like the angles that, you, that are going to work. You're kind of giving a lot of notes. I give a lot of notes on the first like 10 or 20 pages of a book because like I want to make sure they know what they're, they know what I want. And so it's a lot of kind of like tiptoeing around what we want and trying to like be very kind and judicious about like that we're both creatives that, 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 that but, but also that like I brought Camry on to have her vision. So also being like, I want you to do it your way, but like, I hate this part where like, I need this to change. Like what I'm thinking of here is, is here. So those first 10 pages generally take like five, 10 times longer than the rest of it, just because you haven't worked together you know, you're referencing stuff, like you're, you're building kind of a, a language of collaboration. And so, um, so, so it was wonderful once we got past that point, I won't lie. And about every project I've ever worked on right after about, right about, right after like the fifth time we go back and forth with notes, I'm like, I, I, I can't do this. I've got to like find another artist. Like it's happened every time on every book. And now at least I know that it's coming. Um, and again, that the, the problems that we had were mostly all about not having the same language. And once we kind of developed the same language, which took a couple of months, like it was wonderful. You know, I could, I, but by the time we were about four or five months into the process of the, the, the some 11 month process that it took, like like I, I could confidently send stuff to her and then it would come back and it would be exactly or better than what I thought. Um, you know, we had very few issues once, uh, once we had all that straightened out and any issues we had. So there's multiple stages of the process. You have sketches and then pencils and then, well, she does, she does thumbnails and then sketches and then, pen, and then pencils and inks and then like shading. And so almost everything gets caught in the, in the sketches phase. The only difference is Camry has a very loose sketch style. And so sometimes I'm looking at something and being like, I don't know what that is. And so I'll tell her, I think this will work, but like, I got to see it because like, I don't understand what this is. And frankly, the same, I had the same issue with Renzo on Ichabod, um, who has, they, anyone who has real loose sketches, uh it's something like the little details find are, are hard to come out or like there there was a panel on one of the issues of Ichabod where like they're running away from somebody and it's just their feet and I remember looking at at Renzo being or emailing Renzo back and being like I'm just gonna trust you because like I don't know this this doesn't look right but like you know what you're doing and we've worked together for a long time so uh, and like 90% of the time, then it like, it works out because the, like, they know what they're doing. They just aren't sketching it properly. Um, and so, and, but like, there is sometimes that it comes back in the, in the, in the, in the pencil, in the, 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 the first time you actually see the, 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 the tight artwork and you're like, yeah, that has to change. But, you know, she's, she's always lovely making a change. She always, she almost always hit her deadlines or told me if the, the deadlines were not, uh, or, or were not there. Then we had to, at the very end, we decided to bring in a letterer to letter the, the, the re-letter the book. So we had the book lettered 
And uh, we, and I went to my friend and he's like, you know, I think this needs to be relettered for these reasons. And I was like, oh, I went to Camry and she's like, yeah, like I bring in a better letter or bring in a letter. That's fine. Uh, and so we went and got relettered and we brought in my friend, Joel Rodriguez, who has come to my, my rescue more times than I care to admit in my career, as far as, uh, as far as letters go. And then uh, I proof it with my friend Katrina, who has proofed, I think, every one of my books so far, Katrina Rhodes, who's great. Um, and generally, I like working with one artist who does everything with the art, besides lettering, at least, because like we then can develop a really tight visual language quickly. It's always harder when you're bringing in like five different people, because you know, when, when, when Joel would bring back letters, I, I would have my notes, then I would go to Camry and she would have her notes. And then we would have to like wait and it kind of slows down the process. So I like having kind of one artist who will do at least pencils, inks and colors. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. My editorial team uh, has been together for five years, roughly, you know, they've, they've worked, it's been the same editorial team on my novels since I think 2017 or 18. So, uh, and they're, I mean, they've, they've helped build my career. So uh, it's hard now because one of my main editor is uh, moving to do her own writing. And so she's like, I'm gonna help you on these two series, but like for future work, you have to go find somebody else. And so now I'm like, for the first time in my career, like what, like, how do you, like I, who's a good editor? Like, and I'm very particular because now I'm, now I'm like, uh, I have a career and I'm like, oh God, this wasn't like when I was younger and I could just like take a risk on people. Like I really got to like know that they're a good editor. And yeah, like, you become comfortable with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's the same kind of visual. Uh, uh, it's a different language with editors, but you have to have the language, you know, and, 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 and the more they do your work, the more they're like, hey, I love using M dashes. And so like, this is an M dash problem. Like, and then they're like, like, look at M dashes. You've done like a dozen in like this chapter. Um, and so like, they'll know what to look for the longer they're there. Like they'll know like how to balance my writing because that I think is what editorial is all about. It's all about, it's all about sort of uh, accentuating the good stuff in your writing and then like kind of cutting off the bad stuff. But the longer you work with an editorial team, the more they kind of see your faults and know what your faults are and can like mitigate against them. You know, like I know when I work with editors, when I work as an editor, I know the writers that I work with or the, the comic creators I work with. And I'm like, okay, this creator likes doing this. This creator almost always will have like this turn somewhere in their script. And when you've had a career for a long for a length of time, you tend to fall back on the same stuff. And what's wonderful about having a long-term editorial team is they can be like, hey, use this exact same thing like six books ago, like you gotta do something else. And which was not present when you first start your career, but you know, when you've been doing it for a decade, it, it becomes so much more important to do new things and not rely on the old stuff, especially in the same series. Um, I read that uh, you created a guide for other creators who want to explore the creative mm -hmm. business um, called the How to Build a Creative Business and How to Become a Successful Writer. So what advice would you offer to other uh, comic writers slash creators you wish someone would have told you when you first started? Uh, well, uh, the first is uh, you're going to lose money, a lot of money at the beginning. 
um, because you have to make a book. Like you've got to make a book. So um, you, even if it's successful, like for instance, uh, Ichabod, uh, Ichabod costs somewhere between eight and ten thousand dollars. I can't remember the exact figure, but um, that was eight thousand dollars without printing that I had to spend to then like go to conventions and start making that money up and doing Kickstarters and all of that stuff. So no, it's 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 a, not it, it's not a cheap barrier to entry, but um, you only make this stuff once. So if I went back and I went to Ichabod, I don't know, it might be too much pressure. And I told, but if I told my self in 2010 that I would be selling Ichabod still to this day, uh, uh, 11 years later, uh, I think he wouldn't believe me, one. And I think uh, it would have made him even more, more judicious about understanding that like he shouldn't cheap out. Like, I'm not saying to hire the most expensive artist because you're probably like half of this game is like being budget conscious and having a great and getting great ROI for your, for your work. Um, but you, you only make it one time. And so you need to make it right uh, or make it knowing it's not going to be right. And then stuff it in a drawer and never show anyone. Um, the other thing though is all sorts of things are comics. So I have a book back there called The Gherkin Boy and the Dollar of Destiny. And like, I drew it. And like, I have another book called How Not to Invade Earth, which I also drew. And like, they are not well-drawn books by the traditional standard, but like they have sold money and they make, they made me money. Like then they, 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 they were successful books. Um, and, and on the other end of the spectrum, I have books by Marvel artists like Katrina Hates the Dead. And, uh, and, and I have anthologies like Cthulhu is Hard to Spell. And there's so much range of what a comic is. Like I tell people all the time, like Dogman is the most successful comic. And if you opened Dogman and you did not know how successful that it was, you would tell, that, you, you, you would tell Dev uh, to, to go and do something else. Like, because like, there's no way that that could be successful. Uh, I mean, but he made it work and, uh, and it's a lovely, wonderful comic. And, and like a lot of people think that they have to do a Marvel comic or a DC comic in order to break in. And like, it's just not the case. You can make all sorts of comics, all sorts of things are comics, zines, everything from zines to, to Marvel, to DC, to the stuff that graphics puts out to, to this, the stuff that small independent publishers put out to the stuff you find on Kickstarter. Like it's all comics. And it's all about telling a story. Um, I do recommend completely that if you are a comic creator and not an artist, that you draw some comics. Now you'll draw them bad, and that's okay. You might trace them over like successful comics, but it is, it's really important to understand that like comics is not art. I mean, it's, it's not art in the way that illustration is art. It is a lot of it is, is it's so much harder because uh, illustration is about making one pose that is amazing. Comics is about replicating poses and replicating things over the course of a story, making sure that characters look the same over the course of a hundred panels in a book. It's just, it's absolutely not the same as illustration. And, and, and by doing comics, about drawing them, actually drawing them out, um, even if you do something like my friends did a book called um, Crappy Watchmen, and they just literally like doodled like the Watchmen panels just to get better at doing panels. But whatever you're doing, you are um, you are uh, you are getting better at, at at learning the visual language and learning how to drive panels forward because 
we all have somewhere between 20 and 24 pages on most standard comics to tell a story. And most of those pages are going to be five to seven panels long. And so you've got roughly six panels times 24 to tell a, 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 a complete a, a story that is satisfying. Doesn't have to mean it's complete, doesn't have to mean it's over, but like that is satisfying. And that gives you what, 200 and uh, 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 200 or so panels to, to, to literally tell like the whole one uh, story of an issue or somewhere like a thousand panels to tell a whole, whole volume. And each of those panels is, is vitally important to how you tell the story because you have to, what comics is about is kind of letting the, uh, letting the reader play with you. It's about what happens in the gutter. Like comics, like the, 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 the magic of comics happens between the panels in the, in, the, in, in, in the gutter between the panels and, and getting somebody and understanding what panels you need to show out of six, at, 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 at a minute long story, what panels do you have to show so the person can make the connection between them and tell their own story in their head about what happened between those panels. And so, and often when people are starting out, they think that they're like that, they have to show literally everything and like someone getting a cup of coffee and walking over to a thing. And like, just literally it's like, it's, it's, it's following them along, but comics, truly successful comics are the ones that pull out all of that stuff, show you the important things, and then allow you as the reader to make your own connection between those two in your brain. Yeah, it's almost like a, like a, uh, what, what was it called? Like a, like an info dump in a, when you write a book, like you try to describe everything, but it's like the reader doesn't need to know all of that all at one time, kind of just pick the important stuff and then they'll make the connection themselves at some point in between the lines, in between the words, in between the scenes. So yeah, and, if, yeah. yeah and, and I mean, you have to give enough. So this is the, uh -huh. this is the delicate balance, right? It's like, yeah. you can't, you have to give enough that they understand it, but not too much yeah. that like, that they're getting info dumped on. So, and, and it is very much like writing a book, like your, your job is to tell what you have to, to get the reader to imagine it in their brain. You know, that is the secret of, of novel writing is a secret of comic writing is the people that will love you, the more, the more you can give the reader agency while still maintaining the fact that they, that they understand everything that's going on, but they are the agent to figure things out, the better, the more they will love your work. And, the, and, and especially with novels, people think that it's all about like literally telling everything, but less is almost always more with novels, just mm -hmm. like it is with comics. Uh, and it is, it's this beautiful interplay between, between you as the writer leading them on a journey and them discovering what you have to, what you, what you have to, to tell them without feeling lost along the way. I always tell people that uh, a roller coaster would be really terrible if you didn't know that you were going to wind up at the end safe, right? Like, yeah. you know, part of the wonder of a roller coaster is you can get lost in this sort of primordial fear, but you know that you're going to end up at the end of it safe. 
Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with a lot of horror. A lot of my friends say that the reason they love horror is it allows them to deal with fear in a safe environment. Whereas even if the people on screen are not safe, you, the viewer, are safe. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, you make a kind of compact with the reader when you, they pick up a book. You're saying, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to give you the information you need to know. I'm going to tell it in a compelling way. But at the end of this, you're going to have a satisfying journey. In the same way, like if you just went on a roller coaster and it was just a circle, like that would also not be satisfying because it's a circle. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you have to, you have to add loop to lose and you have to add whatever twists and turns and turning upside downs and whatever thing, the splash part, whatever the, whatever the part is that makes it like fun and exciting. But you have to let the reader know that like, A, you know what you're doing. You constructed this roller coaster well, but you, you stress tested it. You putting it through its paces, they will be safe. But like you are put, you are, you are, you are, you are going to take them on a thing within the tolerance of, 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 of safety, but they are going to be safe throughout the whole time that they're reading it. That's interesting. I never heard of, I never thought of it that way. Cause when I, when, when I read certain things, certain books, um, it really doesn't matter what uh, genre it is. When I get maybe like halfway through, I get really anxious because I'm now at the at the top. I'm at the peak, and I'm like, "What's going to happen now? What's going to happen now?" And I kind of put it down and put it away just to digest it a little bit. But when you put it like that, that you know, I kind of have to trust that the author knows what they're doing, and that me as a reader, I will be safe at the end. Like it, it's going to end well, or at least none of this stuff is happening to me, so I should be fine. I mean, that's that's a different way of thinking of it. I never thought of it like that before. Yeah, R.L. Stein had this has has had a rule. I listened to his masterclass. He said, um, once you once the reader knows that all of the characters will live in the end, you can do anything to them mm-hmm. uh, throughout the course of it. So like, but if you they don't know what's going to happen, or that there's going to be a satisfying ending, or if they don't trust that it's going to be a satisfying ending, like that is when a as a writer you have issues and so mm-hmm. i always try and think about that like i don't want to go on and like i don't want to, I, if i went on a safari i would want to go with a guide i wouldn't just want to drive around a park because like there's a lot of dangerous animals in there and the uh-huh. guide's going to show me hey look there's a puma hey look there's a giraffe hey look there's a hippo like whatever the thing is and they're going to bring me in a way that is as safe as i can be and uh that has oh and and in doing that I know that if like we go over a bump or like we go, we splash through a water, whatever the thing is, like if they, we get close to a lion or like they're going to bring it. So we're not too close that I'm going to be in any real danger or mm-hmm. like, as long as I follow their instructions and I know people die in safaris often uh, also, but anyway, so, so yeah, I, I try and construct my, my, my ideas of stories that like, I, I know it's like, you have to, if you, I know I have control over the story. I, and I will bring you into a way that is satisfying and I'll bring you into, into, into port in a satisfying way, but there's going to be all this stuff along the way that is going to be real horrible for these people. Um, I, I often tell people that, that, uh, that, that don't read. I say, I say that's awful because like reading is like a drug trip, but it's safe. And like, mm-hmm. I'm leading you on it. Like you're literally like, I'm bringing you on a hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic experience, but I'm doing it in a safe manner. And, mm-hmm. and, and like, I'm leading you there. 
to to and and that's one of the that's one of the other beauties of of of, of books. It's like your mind reads words and they become experiences that you have. Yeah, I totally agree on that. Um, but my last question for you, Russell, is uh, what is your idea of success? And I ask that because as creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from our full, uh, like if we're not getting regular paychecks like we would from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on the back burner or give them up altogether because this career can be very uh, very intimidating and very competitive. So what is your idea of quote unquote success? Okay, I'm gonna give you two, one for me okay. and one for other people. So like for me, me personally, my idea of success is that I can keep doing the thing that I'm doing in the manner that I am doing it. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I, I used to be a sales manager. I used to work in sales. I know very well that I can go and make five to 10 times more working any other job than right. And I also know that like, if something happens that like forces me to become, I don't know, like the sole breadwinner of like this family, then like, I probably have to like do something else or like make a big drastic change. But for now, like, I don't need much. I, 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 I almost all of the money that I make goes back into like books or projects or something like that. So uh, my idea of success is, can I push this down the road for another year? Uh, or another six months or another three months. It depends on the project. So for instance, we're launching black market heroin, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's an experiment for us. As far as a book goes, we've never done a black and white book before. We've never done really anything in this style before. Um, uh, It's not like the other two books in the, in the, in in the gods vs. chronicles graphic novel universe. And so like, we did not put a lot of stock into this, like it didn't have to make $20,000 in order to like be considered a success because we didn't spend $20,000 on it. Like we did with with a book like Ichabod or $30,000, like on one of our anthologies. So like for, 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 for black market heroin, you know, making 10 grand is like a a big success. Uh, But if Ichabod, our flagship project, made 10 grand and cost us 20 grand like that'd be real bad uh-huh. real real bad if, if if our anthologies don't raise 30 grand like that's a real bad day for us um mm-hmm. so um and so each project kind of has their like how do i kick this down the road for three months and how do i like have enough that i can that i can be comfortable like not like you know, eating out five times a week, uh, <laughs> uh, like not, not going to fancy restaurants comfortable, but like, you know, I know that money is going to keep coming in. And that is something that only came in the last couple of years where like, I am confident that when money goes out, more money will come back in. And man, maybe that is success. Like just the, just because I never had that before and before maybe like a year or two ago where like, I would always be worried about every show that like there was every that everything was writing on like every project and over time and just having an expanse of projects and having things in the pipeline and being a year ahead of our slate like I don't feel the need to put so much pressure on every project that does not mean that some projects do not have an outmoded amount of pressure like an Ichabod book has a lot of pressure on it. Like Cthulhu is hard to spell book has a lot of pressure on it, but I try and 
pepper in these other projects, which don't have so much pressure on them as well. And so my ability to keep kicking the can down the road for three, six, eight months a year um, with every project, because they add up, right? Like, so if you can kick the, if every project lets you kick the can down the road six months, well, if you do a project every three months, you know, you've now like built up your nest egg over the course of a year, you know, that means that every year, every year, if I'm, if every project kicks the can down the road six months, then I, for every year I do, I can, I, I build a, a year of buffer and then a year of buffer. And so um, I'm, I'm always trying to kind of just get a little bit further along. I'll be honest, if we're trying to make more than that, if you're trying to do more than like that amount, it's going to be real, real hard for you because like, it is very hard. It is very competitive. And um, none of the things that we make, how do I say this without being mean? Like, it's not a necessary thing. Like it's not food. It's not shelter. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not water. You know, it's not on some level it might be love, but like, you know, it's not friendship. It's not mm -hmm. any of the things that like we need to survive. And so that will always make them somewhat of a luxury and all luxury goods like are the first things cut when there are issues. Mm -hmm. um, and also the things that we make are relatively cheap by like the standards of commerce. Like they're, you know, even our most expensive books are 30 to $40 it's shipping. Um, they're, 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 that means you have to sell a lot of them to make real good money. And like, it is hard to sell a lot of a thing. Uh, so, so, uh, so I try to keep humble in what I'm asking for and what like will, is success for me with the knowledge that I'm very good at sales. Like I could go get another sales and marketing job, making double or triple or quadruple what I make now, like, like very easily. Uh, mm -hmm. um, especially having had a successful company for as long as I've had, um, for, for a new creator, um, it's not that much different. What I would tell, what I would, what I would say should be a barrier bar to success is that you, 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 you have projects lined up that are good, that you believe in, not just one, but like two, three, four, like you have, uh, uh, a year's worth of of stuff that you're going to launch, knowing that like the first one's probably going to be bad, the second one maybe hey all four of them might be bad, mm -hmm. but like, but like it will give you inventory, it will give you the the knowledge of how to launch stuff. What so often happens is someone will launch one book or one product, and then a year later they launch something else and they make like two thousand dollars on the. And I'm like that's not enough to live, mm -hmm. but like if you can do four of those. That's $8,000. That is still not enough to live, but like maybe it's not to live in like a small hut in like in like Barbados or like in Honduras or somewhere like, but it, it builds up your ability to, to, to sell your product and talk about it because it's an art. Like, like that is an art. People yeah. don't think marketing is an art, but the ability to talk about your work without coming across as arrogant or as uh, entitled or as uh, just annoying is an art in and of itself. And, uh -huh. and, and how I do it is very different than how you will do it or how other people will do it. Like there are kind of schools of thought, but it has to be personal to you. And if you're not out there a lot, 
putting not just one book out, but other things, you don't understand how it all kind of connects together and how you can use one thing to sell the third thing and the second thing and the fourth thing. And you're not failing enough talking about it that you can take hold. The first, the, the most important thing I think for creators is that they, like people think they're going to burn out. Mm. Fans think you're going to burn out and like they don't want to invest in you at the beginning because like they think you're going to not show up. Mm-hmm. And so by, by releasing several things in a year, like they know you're going to show up and you're going to keep doing it. And then they'll get more exciting and you'll get better at making stuff. And another thing about only releasing one thing a year, or a couple things a year is like, you just don't get better at making stuff and rapidly enough to grow. Mm-hmm. And so by putting out something and like it failing miserably, well, guess what? The next time you're not going to do that or you'll do it differently. Or you'll be like, hey, they really responded to this one pin in this five pin set. It's like, I'm going to do one, one like this and like two more. And, 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 and I'm going to do two like that this time. Maybe you're like, oh, that's, that made double the money. Okay. And you start like developing your style and your fandom. And like, that's how, that's how Ichabod became Monsters and Other Scary Shit, how it became Cthulhu is Hard to Spell, became Katrina Hates the Dead, came Pixie Dust. Like it all kind of has this flow together that kind of, is a house style because I was like, oh, people like this. Mm-hmm. I should, I want to service these people. So I need to make another thing that are like this and another thing that's like that and another thing that's like that. And it all kind of goes together. And maybe that first year you can't release four things. I'm not saying four books or four comics, like that's bananas, but like you could release a pen and two mm-hmm. comics and an anthology or like a print two comic, uh, a comic, a pen and a sticker sheet or something like that. Like you can do stuff and you should do multiple things you should be like hey what merch do i like do i like stuffed animals do i like this thing what works for me mm-hmm. and success at the beginning of your career to me is saying oh i know what i am like i know what creator i am like i know what i like like i'm gonna keep bringing in new influences but like i know the core of me mm-hmm. and i know the stuff that resonates with me and the stuff that resonates with other people, because there's going to be things that resonate with me. There's a ton of things that resonate with me that don't resonate with my audience. And a ton of stuff that resonates your, with my audience that doesn't resonate with me. But my goal is to say, here is what I resonate with. Here is what you resonate with. And here is the connection between the two of us. And you only do that. It sounds crass, but you do that by, by not, not, not posting something and, saying, and people saying, oh, this is great. This is amazing. You do that by saying, okay, put your money where your mouth is. Like, is this amazing? Or is, are you saying it's amazing, but you're not going to buy it? And like, I'm not saying that you should buy this. Like my friendship is not contingent on like you buying this, but like, do you think it's cool? Or, or is there an actual thread that will help me become a career creator now? And the more you can do that, the more you will develop your voice. And I was real annoying when I first started. I'm real annoying now, but like I was real annoying when I first started. And like, I learned how to cut myself back and accentuate the things that people like and push in the things that people don't. And I learned that like, I shouldn't make this kind of book. I should make this kind of book. I shouldn't do prints. I should do pins. I should do. And all of that stuff just became like the creator that I am. And it came from creating yes but it came from going to my audience and saying is this good like do you want this oh you don't want this 
okay, what about, what about this? Oh yeah. Okay. You like this. All right. I can do more of that. Like, okay. Uh, oh, you really hate that. All right. All right. Um, uh, let's go down this lane. And, and you just don't get that because people, people give you platitudes. They will just say it's cool because yeah. there are tons of stuff that I think are cool that I will not buy. And like, I just like, that's awesome. It's awesome that you're doing this thing. I'm not going to buy it, but like, it's great. Do it, go for it. Like be a creator. Um, and you have to separate kind of what is the, this is great from the, oh, this is resonant enough that like, I can make a career doing this thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's kind of how it was when I um, started doing the movie Mondays for movies. I was just watching the movies that I wanted to watch. And then I would go to, I guess, what was trending and what other people were watching, um, but I didn't really want to watch. So I kind of fell back on it a little bit. But um, then I started watching um, like a lot of South Korean movies, a lot of Korean movies, people like those, those are doing really well on, um, what is it, on Netflix. But yeah, it just, that's kind of how it started with the movie Mondays, like what are getting the most plays, what are getting the, like the most likes, most comments. A lot of times, again, it's the Korean movies, people are really interested in those. So yeah, I kind of just go based off of like comments in a way, like um, I don't have anything that people have to subscribe to. Everything is free. But um, it, as of right now, the comments are what mean the most to me on yeah. the via various social media um, pages and sharing as well. Sure. A lot of people say they share it to other people, which helps me know what you all, what they all like when I right. um, post it or um, when I talk about it or when I do videos as well. Sure, sure. It makes total sense. Yeah, uh, Seth Godin would say you have to you, you have to deliver. You have to like ship. You have to ship the thing, and you're shipping the Mondays or and the other stuff that you're doing. And like as long as you're shipping the stuff and kind of learning what your audience likes, and also like what you don't like. That's mm-hmm. that's that's a thing because like so often when you're like a young creator, you're like, oh, you like this? I'm gonna go to that, and like you end up down a road, and you're like, I hate. I hate the audience I'm serving. I hate like the thing that I'm doing. It happens all of the time, all of the time. And so you have to kind of make that thing of like, am I willing to like hate my audience to like do this thing that's real popular? And usually it's like, no, I could just go work at, I could work at Arby's and like hate my, hate my customers. Like I could go, I could work anywhere for me. It's like, I could work anywhere and hate the people that I'm serving. Like Mm -hmm. if I'm going to do that, and that's not that those things are bad. Like, it, like, I'm not saying that it's bad to like, it's just, you know, I don't like certain things. And if I were to go and like, this is not saying that they are bad things. It's just like, I don't like them and I don't want to watch those things or I don't want to like write those books. Like, I don't want to write erotica books. There's a huge market for erotica books. Like yeah. I could probably make more money making erotica, doing erotica books, but that's not my jam. And I would rather not do that and one of the things that we have to do as creators is kind of walk that line right like oh i'm doing this for the money or the likes or like i'm doing this for the love and then you start doing this thing where you're like okay this is gonna make me more money and i still love it okay how and sort of becomes like okay here's where all the fans are here's how where i am how can i like inch up how can Mm -hmm. i kind of like bridge the gap and be like still love it but like take a cut of it here, take a cut of it there, take a thing here. And, and, uh, and yeah, it's, 
it's real hard. I don't, I don't envy people who are at the beginning of their careers uh, anymore, or like even in the, even in the kind of that murky middle of the career, but like success is really, it's really like comes with clarity, like clarity. <laughs> I think even if you're not making a lot of money, like if you can be clear about what you love and then be like, this is what I love. I'm putting my foot down here. And like, I'm going to go find people for it. Uh, it's so much easier. And so you, you end up being so much more successful because you're not kind of running this rocky boat. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to push about black market heroin, maybe discuss rewards for potential backers? Because from what I can tell, the Kickstarter is pretty much uh, funded. I mean, but you still have another, what, 25 days to go? I think uh, something like 19 days. I, oh, I only 19, did a 21 okay. day campaign. I didn't do okay. a 30 day campaign, but I mean, the book is great. It's mm-hmm. uh, 96 pages. Uh, I think it's like 82 or 84 pages of art plus a bunch of extra like prints and things in the back. Um, and, uh, you know, if you like fast paced action, like adventure, mythology, magic, uh, like sarcastic women characters, like fighting gods and monsters, uh, like uh, action adventure stuff like Marvel, I think you're going to dig Black Market Heroin and really the whole of the Godsverse Chronicles because like that's each book deals with like a different female heroine kind of fighting against their fate to make uh, to, to make the universe a better place. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't like Black Market Heroin as far as the art style goes, uh, um, uh, Katrina Hates the Dead is a done in the Marvel a more Marvel art style. Um, Pixie Dust is done in an, uh, in, in more animation art style. So it's really like three books with three different real feels to them. And I think they all, I think they all kind of mesh together well. Uh, and obviously I'm the writer for all of it. So it, uh, it, uh, it, my dogs are barking now. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, uh, but it's uh, the, uh, uh, I'm the overarching person who's written everything. So like I'm, I am biased, but I mean, if you like this new one, it's very manga inspired. So like, if you're a fan of manga, it's very much like in that kind of arts, the black and white art style, a lot of that influence. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, I love Angelica. She's like kind of the, like the, 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 the relationship between them is kind of like a grumpy one and like happy one. And that's uh-huh. one of my favorite, like, like uh, buddy relationships. And so I'm really excited. I, I mean, I, every time I read it, I love it so much. Um, you can pick up the, uh, for just a dollar, you get to pick, you can pick up um, uh, 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 rewards. I forget what the reward is. I think you get the black market heroin script at a dollar. Uh, the, the black market heroin uh, book is, uh, uh, ebook is $10. It's $25 for the uh, paperback. Mm-hmm. And then at $42 is the one where you get like, you get two prints, a sticker, uh, a pin, a really cool pin. I'll show it to you. I know the viewers won't, but like the pin of the two main characters of the book. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, that's sort of the one that we're pushing the most. Uh, that could sort of like, uh, that, that, that has all of the stuff. It's got a, pr- a tribute print for, from our, uh, of uh, Ollie, the main character, uh, uh, tributing the, our initial cover for Katrina Hates the Dead. And just a whole bunch of, of, of cool stuff. So there's set, there's three graphic novels and seven novels. I also have all of our other books on the on the Kickstarter. Uh, our anthologies, Cthulhu is Hard to Spell, which is like Lovecraftian gods and monsters, but like subversive, like 
sarcastic kind of funny and cute stories along with the horror. Um, Ichabod Jones' Monster Hunter is our dark fantasy psychological horror. Um, Pixie Dust and Katrina we talked about, and then all of our novels. So mm-hmm. I hope you will go and uh, check it out. You can just go to russellnolte.com if you want to be uh, redirected. My whole site redirects there until the end of the campaign. Um, but you can, uh, but yeah, I, I, I hope you check it out. You can even go to the campaign and just pick up the 10 page preview at the top and just check out the first thing. You don't have to go in and, 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 and buy the first time through the gate. You can just go there, uh, pick up the 10 page preview and then check it out and see if you like it. All right. Uh, again, I want to thank writer and creator of the graphic novel Black Market Heroin, currently on Kickstarter, Russell Nolte with Wannabe Press. I highly recommend our listeners to give the Kickstarter a look, share, and or back if they can. Also, if they're looking for more insight about the creative business and becoming a published author, please visit www.thecompletecreative.com. All of Russell's socials will also be listed in this episode details alongside the Kickstarter link. Again, I'm KS Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Thank you.